Hey everyone, and welcome to Straight Trooper Talk. This is the podcast for law enforcement and first responders by law enforcement and first responders. Today we have a very, we're very excited today. We have a, a guest that we've been trying to get on for a while and we finally got him on. His name is Don Latulip. Don Latulip. up there, uh, as, and he's currently serving as a bailiff in Cherokee, North Carolina. That's about as far west as you can go before you go into another state. So, But he has an interesting story uh, about things that happened uh, while he was uh, uh, with the Wildlife Commission and a, and a park ranger, and uh, he has one story in particular that, that, uh, that reached... Uh, it, it was a nationwide type thing. So, and we'll we'll get him to talk about that. But first of all, Don, I thank you for coming on. If you would just go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, talk to us a little bit. Hey guys, uh, my name's Don Latulip. I live out here in Murphy, North Carolina, in Cherokee County. Um, I was a wildlife officer for 25 years. Um, that's that's what they call them now. Back in the day, we, they we used to be called game wardens. Uh, game wardens was <laughs> there's two people that's hated uh, the most in the county. That's the game warden and the tax collector. And a tax collector only comes around <laughs> one time a year. So we were we were pretty well known in the community and that kind of thing. And uh, I know we talked the other day about uh, some of the stuff that we got into when we do wildlife uh, enforcement work. Uh, what we did is typically would uh, do boating education, uh, boat patrol, uh, we'd enforce the boating laws, we'd enforce hunting, fishing, and trapping laws, and of course we'd do uh, hunter safety programs, and then we'd do uh, public safety too if there was any kind of uh, backup needed for other law enforcement agencies and that sort of thing. But uh, we'd do things like uh, we'd put up the mechanical deer, and then we'd, do, uh, we'd, we'd hide in the bushes and wait for people to come by and shoot the deer, and then so other days we'd just uh, get hit out in the field and wait till dark and and uh, watch for people to come by and spotlight at night and that, that sort of thing. And uh, we started to get into some issues with our bear hunters. Um, mm -hmm. Bear hunting is a, a, a huge thing on on the east coast, where down in the swamps where they run bears with dogs, and then it's also real big right. up here in the western North Carolina counties uh, where we've got a big bear population i mean we need bear hunters to kind of you know thin the population a little bit so they don't become such a nuisance breaking into people's houses and uh, turning over trash cans and you know people are scared of bears when they get around their houses and that sort of thing so they kind of help us out but uh, there's also some other things that go on in the bear hunting community like uh Back in the late 90s, they did a Operation Smoky Bear. It was uh, mm -hmm. it was out this way, and uh, some of our bear hunting crowds were uh, selling bear gallbladders and some of the some of the different parts of the bear. What? Okay, so well, just the first couple of questions before we go any further. So, do you do you guys work as a in a region or are you are you assigned to a region or a statewide or how, how how does that work yeah there's nine nine districts in the state 
our uh -huh. district is District 9. It's the furthest one west. Our district takes in from about Asheville west. And then there's two patrol areas. I'm sorry, two platoons in that district. And then within those platoons are two or three patrol areas. Um, okay. I was in okay, I was in the furthest patrol area west. Okay, I got you. So, uh, and and how many of you guys would typically be like, you know, I, I know with like the mechanical deer and, and certain things, you might bring a lot of people in, but just on a, I don't know a daily basis, how many people would cover a, cover your well? There's district. there's actually 100 counties in the state, and um, right. 200 officers, 200 wildlife officers in the state of North Carolina. And that includes all our wow. upper management, the, the, the major, the, the majors, the colonel, um, the captains, the Raleigh staff. Um, so what that averages out to is about one and a half to two officers per county. So right. Right. Okay. I, the, my patrol area when I retired was a three county area was Macon, Clay and Cherokee County. And to give you an idea of how big an area that was, the state of Rhode Island is the same uh, square miles as my three counties that I was working. We had five officers to right. cover okay. an area the size of okay. uh, the state of Rhode Island. Okay. Um, well, that, okay. So I got the, the, the jurisdictional thing down because that's, that's something that's important. And, you know, it's, it's different with everybody. I know with the Highway Patrol in South Carolina, you know, uh, it, it was set up by districts kind of the same way. So I just wanted to make sure um, that it was the same way. And I guess my next question before we get too much or get further into what you're talking about is what the selling of, of black bear, you said they were taking organs out of these black bears that they were, uh, I, I would consider it poaching. I don't, I, maybe that's the wrong word, but they were, like illegally killing them, poaching them, or whatever. But why would why would they need this organ? Well, the the Asian market has a big demand for it for uh, aphrodisiac. They they use it for medicines, medicinal value. But an aphrodisiac, the the liquid out of a gallbladder is what they they use to make these medicines with, and it's extremely expensive. And it, and, and it only comes out of a black mm -hmm. bear. Yep. Wow. Wow. You know, they, they use other things I mean, too, like reindeer antler. They grind it up, make stuff like that. And, you know, other things they use for the same type purposes. But the black bear gallbladder was one of the ones that they used for that. And they'd sell the, the paws and the claws and the teeth and skulls and different things for, you know, people make jewelry and decorations and stuff like that out of them. But typically you're only allowed to take one bear per hunter for for a hunting license per year and uh, these guys were they were using other people's tags they were they were shooting more than if they could get their animal home without having us check them or or if they didn't have to call it in if they could get it home and the way they check animals in here in north carolina is you before you move the animal from the site of kill you're supposed to notch the tag you have a, a paper tag that you carry around in your wallet you notch that tag, that allows you to move that animal from the site of the kill to where you're going to process it. 
Then you have 24 hours or until you start to process in the animal to call the wildlife commission and report your kill. So one of the deals when they started getting into this, this big case, not only were they killing them inside, outside the state of North Carolina, they were, they were killing them in Tennessee. They were killing them in Georgia. They were killing them on federal property. They were killing them in national parks, the Smoky Mountains National Park. There were several bears being taken there. And when you do that, then you start bringing in other agencies. So this thing got really big, really fast. Um, we had about 80 people charged at, with several hundred um, violations. And one of the one of the issues that they had was um, their attorneys were arguing that we that we dogpiled a bunch of charges on these folks. Um, uh-huh. But what when you write a speeding ticket, if you see somebody speeding, you stop them. You write them a speeding ticket. They get one one ticket. It's it's one violation. When you take an animal unlawfully, when I just talked about having to tag it at the site of kill, then you have to call it in when you get home. You have to transport it, transport it from the site of the kill to the to your house or wherever. Whenever you don't tag it, that's a violation. When you don't report it, that's a violation. When you transport it unlawfully because you haven't ha- tagged it and you're not, you don't plan on tagging it, when you cross state lines, that that steps into the the federal regulations, the federal Lacey Act violation. So it gets another agency right. involved. Then you've got two states, or if you kill it on the the national park, that's a federal Lacey Act violation when they move it off the park, or they kill it on the park, it's a federal violation. So you start stacking. They said we were stacking these charges, but what happens is when you one act of killing a bear and not tagging it properly it carries about five or six charges would do this right no I, just I, one I, I, I totally understand i mean um it, in our line of work the same thing would would happen let's say you may have a, a driving under the influence but you know if he commits another crime within that time uh then you got two charges so i definitely understand that um but when you're getting into what you're talking about, you're you're talking about five and six charges just for 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 poaching this bear and and, and doing what they were yep. doing for one act, and then and then one act. You know there were some. What happened was this operation something brewing. This thing happened. It started in around 2012, and we um, we had some of our guys that volunteered to step out of their um, their field role as a wildlife officer someplace in a different part of the state. They gave up, mm-hmm. you know, spending time with their families and and coming and going on a daily basis. They went undercover. So they came to these counties that nobody knew them, and they started taking on odd jobs like building decks or putting a roof on people's houses in these western counties as just handymen. Right. And that's kind of how they got their foot in the door with these bear hunting crowds is they would they would build decks with them. And while they're working, they'd start talking about hunting and fishing. And then, oh, okay. see, because these, these areas, in the, in, in, especially in the mountain areas, they're very clannish. They don't, they don't just allow anybody to go hunting with them. 
you've got to be invited. And unless they really know who you are and, and your background, they're not going to invite you and, and kill a bear illegally in front of them. So, you know, they're not, they're not going to burn themselves by doing that. So these guys, right. it took them a year or two to get in the confidence and the trust with these folks to actually go along with them to, to kill some of these bears. Right. So, so when, when, so you had some guys that were uh, deep under cover yeah. and like you said, spent years and years, um, uh, undercover and you know they finally get the trust of these guys that were doing this how, how many people do you think let's say you said i believe georgia uh, i believe i read tennessee uh, um and north carolina is that yep, right the u.s forest service and the national park service there was about five agencies involved Okay, and and how many how many people, poachers, criminal wise, were was involved? There were just the folks that were charged were a little over eighty people, and there okay. was several hundred charges that came out of that. Um, when when we started to go and serve our search warrants to collect evidence to to charge these guys with because sometimes when you go to their house and go to write them tickets you bump into stuff that's maybe there's a bear in a freezer or something's laying on the front porch you know that's been laying there for a few days or whatever just they just don't have a tag for it well unless you have a right to be there on their front porch to begin with you can't really use that as evidence so we we had to go get search warrants for all this huge long list of people in about 15 counties, you know, North Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee, um, to do these search warrants. But the problem with that was some of these small towns in these, in these rural communities, the people that are related to these bear hunters work in the courthouse. Oh, whether, yeah, I, it seems like I read. Yeah. That. Yeah. Whether they're, um, they're the clerk of court or they're uh, just one of the clerks in the courthouse or one of the magistrates. So some of the magistrates that we went to pull these search warrants, had them sign off on and go execute these search warrants, knew these people. And mm-hmm. somehow, I don't know, I, I can't tell you how these folks found out about it, but us going up there to their houses, they're already prepared for us to show up. So there was a couple of places that back then we didn't even have AR rifles. We, we carried shotguns as our long gun and pistols as our sidearm. And some of the things that happened, we, we just felt like it was a very um, dangerous situation to go into. So we got a couple of other agencies we all got together the forest service and the the wildlife commission and some um even the sheriff's departments helped in certain ways to help transport people and collect evidence and that sort of thing um and it it turned into something that you know in the in the public eye there you know if you step back and and look at it from outside where we were at 
to, to the general person that didn't know what was going on or have any idea what was happening. It just looks like there was all these cops showed up for somebody that killed a bear. Well, what it was was a four or five year process. That it was an operation that came to a head and it got to the point where we thought it was going to be a dangerous situation. So for the safety of everybody, we went in with a few more people than we normally would have. And that became an issue. Then they said that we were strong arming, we were stacking charges. We did a lot of these other things. Well, after all this um, stuff hit the court system, the DAs, they'd never dealt with anything. Most times when I was uh, prosecuting a case, if I had a, a written a ticket to a night deer hunter or somebody that I had several elements to prove, <clears throat> you had to prove that it was 30 minutes after sunset. I had to prove that they used an artificial light and, and they swept the, uh, the field uh, that's known to be inhabited by deer. Then I also had to have a, a loaded firearm in the vehicle. They didn't have to shoot at the, the animal, but those were the elements that I had to meet. A lot of times when I'd go into court, these DAs, they didn't, they didn't deal with wildlife violations very often. So I would have to have a report written to pretty much prosecute mm -hmm. the, the case myself. They would just go off. Right. I'd highlight what the, the law was. I'd have a copy of the law. I'd highlight what the fine was and all these other things so the, the DA could present it to the judge. When all this right. came down, one of these attorneys that these guys hired, he's an expensive attorney from down east he um he asked for discovery of evidence of all the evidence that we gathered when we did these search warrants we'll come to find out in district court you don't have to turn over evidence but our this da mm -hmm. he ordered us to take all our evidence and give it all back well when you go into court and you don't have any evidence it's kind of hard to prove a case and this this was a this was a district court level case and they're asking for discovery now you can ask for it all day long but if we had a da that knew what was going on and it had prosecuted these pet cases before you know it, it may have been a totally different because some of these guys got off with a i was reading in some of that literature that i sent you the other day that it was a $25 fine and a $10 surcharge and they lose their license, hunting license for two years. I mean, that's not even a slap on the wrist. No, and, 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 I, and I read where one of the, somebody that got, like you said, it was a $25 charge and then they got probation and the probation got suspended and I was, I, I couldn't believe it. But we're going to, I'm going to stop right there and let everybody know that, um, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back with Don LaTulip. Don LaTulip is going to be with us uh, right after the break. So come on back, and we'll continue our conversation. See you in a minute. Unfortunately, the action that you just saw was something that happens in America every single day. If you find yourself in an incident like this, you need someone to come to your aid and someone to help. The battle has just begun. Call 1-855-TRUE-TALK. We'll put you in contact with not just an attorney, but the attorney that you will need. The battle's just begun.
Hey everybody and welcome back to Straight Trooper Talk. We are having just a interesting conversation with a young man that has um, uh, enlightened enlightened me uh, on some of the things that goes on in the in the wildlife community. Um, uh, this is Don LaTulip. We're we're back with Don LaTulip. Don, if 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 you guys missed the first part, uh, you need to watch it. Uh, but Don was a he worked with the North Carolina Wildlife Commission. He was also a, a ranger, park ranger, I believe, and now he is a he is a bailiff for Cherokee up in Cherokee, North Carolina, which is a county up up in North Carolina. So where we left off was we were talking about Operation Something Brewing. So if anybody wants to look that up, just type in Operation Something Brewing, B-R-U-I-N. I believe that's right. Is that, is that correct? Yes, Tom? sir. Yep. Okay. All right. So if you want to look, that, look up, uh, especially on you, YouTube, there's about nine, ten videos. Uh, Don, where you left off... When you left off, you was you was talking about some of the things that was going on with the district attorneys and and the charges and stuff like this. How how much did this? This seems like a pretty big operation. When once you get into the federal aspect of it, you get into some uh, taxpayer money. Do you know round about approximately how much North Carolina taxpayers had to? Had to pay? How much this cost? Yeah, when I was watching one of those videos the other night in preparation for this interview, and uh, our previous colonel, uh, Dale Cavney, he was uh, talking about how much just our undercover operation, without um, getting involved with the national parks or the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, they had all their own bills. What the state of North Carolina had invested in this uh, undercover operation up until the point where we started serving our search warrants was two million dollars. Whoa, two million! And this is and and what year was this? This was we started serving those warrants around the end of 2014 into 2015. That that is that is definitely a large large operation. Yep. Um, and, and I believe you said about, uh, 80, 80 people were charged. Yep, a little few, a few more than 80 people. There were several hundred charges. Um, and not all of it was in regards to selling gallbladders. Sometimes it was just right. people, um, that wanted to go bear hunting. They would hire some of these folks to, um, to guide them on a hunted, uh, a guided bear hunting trip. Um, they, they've usually got a pack of dogs that they've got places and that's one of these violations. Another one of these violation issues that we would get into, you're allowed to place bait on private land as long as it's natural bait. That would be peanuts or apples or pears or something that's naturally occurring. If I wanted to collect apples off my tree and carry it out to my hunting spot, I can put it as long as it's private. When you get onto state land, um, uh, or, a federal national forest you're not supposed to put any bait out because it technically it, it creates an issue where you're drawing deer or bear from another area where 
other people that don't have time or the money to put that kind of bait out. It's not fair for everybody. So nobody's really allowed to, right. to place bait on, on public land. So whenever right. these guys would either put uh, bait on public land or they would use something that was processed. Now, one of the favorite things that they would uh, like to put out was chocolate. Uh, right over here in Cleveland, Tennessee is the, um, is the Mars um, Mars plant, chocolate the factory. chocolate factory. They, they make M&Ms, they make Mars bars, they make uh, the peanut butter cups. And anything that hit the ground or, or broke or they couldn't put in a package, they just kind of sweep it into the corner. And after making hundreds of pounds of it every day, there'd be big piles of it. So they just push it out into a, a, a bin, a storage area. And these, these bear hunters would show up with 55-gallon barrels. They'd scoop up in a front-end loader and load these barrels for $25 or $30 a barrel. They'd haul this chocolate off into the woods. And, you know, chocolate to a bear is no different than putting out Halloween candy for kids at, at Halloween. If they know, if right, they know right. there's a bucket of candy there, them kids are going to come back every day till it's gone. Same thing with a bear. They'll come down there and they'll eat till they're foundered. And they'll go crawl up in a tree and they'll sleep in a tree. And then when he, they get up the next morning, they're going to come right down and go right back to the same tree or to the same bait site. Right. So they had right. those violations going on. They had uh, any time that they would take a, a, a guided hunt, if they would take these folks, a lot of these guys were taking people into the national park to, to kill bears. And, and like I said before, anytime you kill an animal on national property and then transport it to private, you, as soon as you transport it off it, you, you cross a federal boundary. That's a Lacey Act violation. Right. So that draws the feds into right. it, too. So that's why there were so many. When you watch those videos on YouTube, you'll see these. The, their attorney, uh, Rusty McLean, he was really adamant about trying to force the issue of how many um, how many charges were stacked. He keeps saying they were stacked. Well, whenever, like I said, whenever you kill a bear, you got five charges because you haven't tagged it, right. you haven't uh, reported it, you transported it unlawfully. You know, and, and all these different charges come from one incident. So, right. Out of 80 people, if they did, if they killed three or four bear, uh, that's five per per bear for 80 people. That's that's a lot of a lot of charges. 20 plus. Yeah. So, you know, that's 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 the issue, and and that's where the the newspapers and the and the news media people that don't hunt they didn't understand why these people were charged with so many charges, and and. It, it's it's just the nature of the beast. When you kill an animal and you don't follow all the procedures for for checking that animal in and tagging it and and doing whatever you need to to take it legally, I mean you you have to have a license for it. You have to have uh, somebody there because once you shoot one, you're done for the year. So then you got to go out and get somebody else. And a lot of times those people that they get to use their license, they don't shoot the bear. Because a lot of times right. their their dogs have treated this bear way back in the woods, and most people today are not going to be willing to run through the woods and get to where this bear is up in a tree before it jumps out or something. They say that probably about 
60 to 70 percent of the bears are killed by about 10 percent of the people they just use other people's tags they just they'll they'll shoot the other the bears out and then they'll they'll go down there and they say okay you killed a bear up there's about this size and this is kind of what the color is he killed it on this ridge and you'll know the story in case anybody asks you so they're using other people's tags they're they're um killing them out of season some of them were actually trapping bears and moving them part of that deal that we that the one of the teams that i was on when we served a search warrant we were actually at a fox pen fox pen where they said these guys would come up they bring their dogs to this guy's house they would sign up and and sign a a a reserve a time slot and then what day of the week that they wanted to hunt they would come up there with their dogs and turn them loose inside this fenced area that was about 40 or 50 acres well Mm -hmm. come to find out one of the local agencies was getting a um getting nuisance bear calls so they'd send a horse trailer over there and trap this bear out of a campground or someplace like that and they'd haul him up there to this fox pen and turn the turn the bears loose in this fox pen so these guys were fox hunting but if their dogs happened to get in on a bear and one of my jobs was to walk through there and find out if there was any bears still left in there just walking through there i saw three or four bears now how many times have you ever walked through the woods and bumped into a bear I saw no, I saw I three or four. I know I saw at least three because they were different colors and different sizes. One of them may have been the same, but we also found a big bear of uh, chocolate bait site up there too, where they had a bunch of M and M's and stuff, and in a, about a I don't know two hundred gallon um, septic drum that they were using to feed the bears. And all this stuff was supposed to go to court, and I don't ever know whatever came out of it but uh, you saw some of the charges on some of these folks you know they were trapping bear they were they were hunting bears and and you'll also see on those videos they were saying that our undercover guys shot a couple of these bears well i seen that yeah Yeah, i I was gonna ask you about yeah what what the problem with that is anytime you've got somebody undercover just like when folks go in to do these drug buys and things like that they get put in a compromising situation and apparently one of a couple of our undercover guys they had shot at these bears up in a tree if if it's way up about 100 feet in the air and they're shooting they can kind of pull left and and miss the bear on purpose so the, the 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 guides still think that he's actually trying to kill these bears and not blow his cover but this one particular one that they'll, you'll actually see some uh, footage of it where this bear was run by a, a pack of dogs up under a rock bluff. And there was a, a big pile of rocks and this bear was up in there and the dogs had him bayed in that hole. Well, they, all they could see was a black bear through that hole in the top of the rocks. And the, the guide is telling him, shoot this bear, shoot this bear. Well, he doesn't know how big the bear is. He doesn't know anything about the bear. He just shows up after they get this this bear bayed, and when he gets up on the rock pile, apparently some of the guides that were guiding him had seen this bear run in there and didn't realize it was a cub. So in, in order to shoot a bear legally here in North Carolina, 
back then it was uh, 55 or 60 pounds. Now it's 100. But back then, this bear was even smaller than what was legal to kill. So when he shot this bear, I mean, he can't, he's standing right over the top of this bear looking at it, you know, 10 feet away. If he pulls left or right to shoot at it and to, to not not hit it, I mean, he couldn't do it. You know, then he then they would know that it, that something's going on. Why is he sh- shooting and missing all these bears? So he ends up killing this bear, and when they drag it out, he's killed a, a bear cub. So right. that in itself was a violation that one of our undercover guys committed. But it was it was it was a circumstance that couldn't be uh, avoided. Avoided. Not, yeah, I mean, it, not without yeah, blowing a two million dollar operation and three or four years of work trying to, you know, catch these folks, you know, it, and the way the Wildlife Commission at that time looked at it was, if if that one bear was sacrificed or something like that happened to save a whole bunch more, because we only catch like one percent of violations out of all the violations that are happening, we only catch about one or two percent of everything that's happening out there because normally to catch somebody in a wildlife violation you have to be there when it happens and how often do you ever look over your shoulder and you see a game warden standing there so it's it's very difficult to catch people in the act but um some of the things that happened i mean it just happened because that's how it worked out right and and, you know any any time that anybody that's watching this will understand anytime somebody's been undercover i i don't care if it's a small operation to a, a large operation you i promise you you're going to be met with a defining or you're, you're going to be met with an issue of what do i yep. do I, I mean if i if i do this you know it's i'm going to break the law but if i don't do it then three or four years of my me getting everybody's trust and finally infiltrating this organization is it's going to be out the yeah. window for nothing. Yeah. So I do want to stop right there. And I, I, I just want to take one more break before we, before we go any further. And uh, we ask that you do come back with Mr. Don LaTulip with the North Carolina wildlife commission. And we'll continue our talk in reference to operation something brewing. Come back. As a retired police officer, one working with the sheriff's office and working with the state highway patrol, we need stories from people like you. Both funny stories and serious stories. No, if you go on this website, straighttroopertalk.com, hey, there's a spot on there. Leave your information. We'll contact you. We'll get your story. We'll get your story on air. And hey, we'll share it with the world. Come see us at straighttroopertalk.com. Everybody and welcome back to Straight Trooper Talk. I am with my guest, Mr. Don LaTulip. Don LaTulip was with the North Carolina Wildlife Commission. Uh, he is retired, I believe, right? You are retired. Yeah, I right retired now, about three years ago. Yep. Okay. He's retired and he's currently serving as a bailiff in Cherokee. North Carolina, Cherokee, North Carolina. 
So, Don, thank you for thank you for coming on on our show, and uh, we are back with you. And uh, I, I think we left off, um, you know, talking about Operation Something Brewing, and that's spelled B R U I N B R U I N for for those of you who who want to get online. And there is a plethora of information that you can just uh, read and 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 get into. And this this I really didn't realize how big of an operation this thing was when you get the federal government involved and everything like that. I also didn't realize how big the wildlife community is in North Carolina. Uh, I'm not too far from where you're at. I just I just didn't realize it was that big of a deal, but it's it uh, the the fishing and the hunting uh, stuff like that is it's it's like y'all's number one touring spot or whatever. Yep. So yep. yeah, we've got people come in from all over the country to to hunt bear and deer and hogs. Um, the National Smoky Mountains National Park is right about an uh, hour and a half from here. That's one of the largest bear, black bear populations in the world. So uh, we've got a lot of bear wow. in this area. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention to you, though, was um, towards the end when when all this stuff hit the hit the, the newspapers and the and social media and got in the court system, things got so political. There was um, there was calls being made to the they've got what they call a, a bear hunters association. They've got a group that actually lobbies in state legislature for law changes and and uh, if if they feel like they're being wronged or some some issue with with uh, the wildlife commission or how how we're regulating their bear hunting activities, they've got a, a huge voice down there. And somebody made the right phone calls. They went through a couple of the senators and they ended up getting in. Um, what was the fellow's name? Uh, Mark, Mark Meadows. Meadows. Mark Meadows was our uh, state senator at the time. And when Mark uh, got word of, of how big this thing had gotten, he asked the the feds to do a, an investigation into how we conducted ourselves and in, in, in investigating and charging all these cases. Uh, I think uh, it said that... Uh, he he found that it was a state uh, case, and that was it was going to stay at the state level for investigation. And right. our legislature actually set up a committee, which is the first time I'd ever heard of in, in law enforcement history. Is whenever we would get a uh, a complaint from the public on how a wildlife officer treated or charged or talked to or if any type of complaint, it would have to be investigated by their superior officers. It would have to report be made, and then those reports would be submitted to Raleigh. Raleigh would uh, put together a packet and send them all onto this review board. And this committee would look over every single one of our complaints from that point on. I don't know if that, that committee is still going, but all that came from Operation Something Brewing. Right. And and I believe everybody knows who Mark Meadows is now, yeah. but he was a congr he was a congressman in North Carolina at this yeah, time, yes. right? This is yep. All right. Um. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a like I say, there's a lot of stuff for people to go online, um, research it, and and, and check yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yes, sir. Now you'll you'll see a lot of negative stuff too because social media, people, anybody can put something on YouTube, and a lot of these folks, it, a speeding ticket or um, even any any other kind of ticket, it doesn't seem like it really uh, affects people and their personal lives as much as a wildlife violation does, and that's something that I saw throughout my career. We caught some folks over in Cades Cove uh, in the Smoky Mountains National Park shooting a deer illegally, and somebody saw it on their, the tailgate of their truck as they were driving by at a hotel, and they were taking pictures of this deer, and they recognized it from being one of the deer up in the cove. It was one of these deer that everybody took pictures of, and when, when they said they were calling the police, they tried to get rid of the deer. When the cops showed up, this deer was in the, the shower. They dragged it in the hotel room. They stuck it in the shower and pulled the curtain and were hoping that they wouldn't get caught with this deer. They were a bunch of guys had come up from Florida. And when they seen a deer that big, they'd never seen a deer with antlers that size. And they just panicked and killed it. Well, they were going to take it home and, and say that they shot it at home. Well, when they, all that happened, they got caught. When they got back to the house, their their wives divorced them. Two of the three got divorced. <laughs> Good, great. People, they, for some reason, I don't understand what the wildlife violations are, but these people in this, these small communities, when they get embarrassed like that, they they go all over social media and they get upset about it and they want to, you know, take all these added measures instead of just saying I was wrong. I did, you know, went through court. We took got it taken care of and be done with it. These folks make videos. They, they, you know, they did all kinds of posts on social media. They call the newspapers and all these other things. And if you look back at the court cases, ninety percent of them we won, and and that was without and that was without the evidence that we that we had gathered that we had to give back. So I mean, we, it was a successful operation, but it just seemed like it was a black eye. Yeah. Um... Yeah, like I said, I, I've read through a lot of stuff and uh, a lot of this information. And, and anytime you have an undercover operation uh, of of any magnitude, of any size, you, there's going to be good things that come out of it and bad things that come out of it. I definitely believe that Operation Something Brewing, good things came out of it. And I definitely think that it, if anything, that it opened the eyes of of the people in North Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, South Carolina, down here in the South, where uh, the wildlife is sometimes people's only way of making a living. Yep. And, you know, um, you know, as, as a trooper, um, when, you know, people would come up to me and they would say, you know, Chris, you know, it, it, I, I just don't understand how you do it. How do you walk up to a car in the middle of the night and, and, you know, on the side of the interstate, not knowing who's in there, and, and and not right, not knowing who it is, and and be scared, and I'm just you know you know I'm you know, and I stop them right there, and I say, listen, the day you stop being scared, or you stop, be, I'm not scared's not the word, but concerned, then then you need to stop what you're doing, but. I have a lot of friends down here that are in the same line of work in South Carolina that you are in. And it's a, I know my surroundings. It's the interstate. Yeah. I'm going to do a pass. I'm going to do a passenger side approach 
whatever the case may be. I'm going to take every measure I can, but at, uh, doing what you do, I mean, you've got to hide under a log in the middle of the woods for two nights. And if you call for backup, you know, who would know where to come get you? Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you you got to have this GPS monitoring device so somebody can just find yeah. you. Yeah. You know, and, and send and send smoke signals or something. I mean, and, and you know, there's been people in the woods before. And, and like I say, I have friends that do this and they're just like, when you got to be real careful, careful, because if you stop in a car, you don't know if the occupants have got right. a gun. Well, guess what happens when most people are hunting? They got guns. Yeah. So you know that the people you're going to be interacting with have guns. Right. Uh, which makes your job so, you know, so much more dangerous. I, I, I don't know. It's just one of the most dangerous things in law enforcement. I yeah. The, the only, the, yeah. The only thing I thought about that, though, is 99% of the people that we dealt with as hunters and fishermen, sportsmen, they, that, that gun was there for a tool for them to, to do the sport that they're interacting in. They very rarely did I ever have any of them use it as malice towards me. You know, every now and again, somebody might lose their head and, you know, point a gun at one another. But, you know, when it comes down to it, they they, they weren't out to, to hurt anybody. They were just caught, you know, violating the wildlife law. And that's the way we would approach right. it. We just say, you know, it, it happens. You know, it, it was an opportunity. You know, you might have taken an unlawful bear or deer or something, and we're just going to write tickets and let you go to the house. We don't have to point guns at each other, or you just talk yourself down from it, and and everybody walks right. away, you know, right. safe. And most people are yeah. good. You know, most people, I, you know, but I, you know, I, 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 I was trying to think back last night. You know, out of my career, I mean, yes, I have some stories that get really hairy. Yep. But, you know, out of almost 25 years, uh, you know, they're, the good outweighed the bad. By a whole lot. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Right. And have, have you always been an outdoor person? Yeah. Outdoorsy person? Yeah, I've hunted and fished ever since I could hold a fishing pole. Yeah. Right. Um, so, so, I guess that means you're currently fishing, right? Yes, sir. Yep. Okay. So I heard that you had a, I heard that you were, were, you had a fishing guy, you were guiding a fisherman up there in that area. Let's talk about that a little bit before we, before we close. Yep. Out. We, uh, I, I've just on my free days, if I'm off and it's a pretty, pretty day to fish or, or if I set it up ahead of time, I like to take people striper fishing. I like to get out there first mm -hmm. thing in the morning and, and put a few lines out with some planer boards and, you know, we catch 8, 10, 12, 15 pound stripers, you know, pretty regularly. We catch them over 20 and 30 pounds now and again. Um, we do some trout fishing. Oh. Yeah, we do some really uh, fun fishing up here. Uh, that's out of a boat. And then when we go trout fishing, there's some streams that I take people fishing out here. And then we can also fish for some trout in, uh, in one of the lakes down here, too. And so if anybody wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Uh, you can look me up on Facebook. There's not many Latulips out there, but uh, Don Latulip. And then uh, 
my little guide service I don't have anything really advertised I just use it by word of mouth but it's high roller guide service high roller guide yeah service. we've got a, a casino up here one of the Indian casinos is here in Murphy so a lot of times people will come into town they'll stay at the casino do a little gambling and then they can take a trip with me on the high roller and uh, try to catch some stripers and uh, just have a good morning So altogether all throughout your career, how many years do you have in law enforcement? I retired from uh, from the Wildlife Commission with 25 years. I took the early retirement for that. Uh, they passed a 25-year bill. <laughs> yep. I uh, I got to the point where it, it had just gotten so political and the, and the court system just didn't have time for a lot of these cases that you work so hard on and put your heart and soul into that I just found figured that I could do other things to maybe, you know, make a dollar. Definitely understand. <laughs> I definitely understand. So, that, that uh, so you had 25 years with and them. And then I got, that, I got into the uh, bailiff type stuff, and I've been doing that about three years. So I got about 28 years total. So almost 30 years. Yep. Almost 30 years in the law enforcement. Well, listen, Don, you, this has definitely been, uh, such an interesting and eye-opening experience for me. I hope it was for everybody out there listening. Uh, I just want to give him a shout out, uh, give his fishing uh, guide uh, a shout out, a shout out. High Roller Guide Service, High Roller Guide Service, and that's up in Murphy, North Carolina, yes, sir. right up there in Cherokee. That's near the Indian Reservation. So if you want to go fishing, this is the guy you need to go fishing with. So. Uh, but I, I want to thank you, Don, so much for sharing your stories on Straight Trooper Talk. And hopefully one day we can might have you back and talk about some other things that's been going on. Because I know after 25 years, you know, you've had you got some more stories that are probably worth telling. So but I want to go ahead and thank you so much for, for coming on board and spending your afternoon. Yes, sir. No problem. I appreciate you guys inviting me on. Yes, All sir. Right. Don, you be careful. All right, okay? y'all too. Have a good day. All right, All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. If you want to see more of Straight Trooper Talk, get on our website. Each and every week, we'll be having somebody within the law enforcement and the first responder community. Straight Trooper Talk uh, is going to have each and every type of law enforcement officer that you can think about. Somebody within the first responder community. EMS, military, active, uh, some retired. So, uh, but join us each week here on Straight Trooper Talk, www.straighttroopertalk, and stay tuned and stay safe. Thanks.